Gratitude To my parents, my heroes, my most amazing humans, thank you for you. None of this incredible, difficult, beautiful journey would be possible without you, your love, your care, your courage, your being. This book in its entirety is my letter of gratitude and love for you. I've been lucky to grow up with four loving grandparents, and I'm deeply grateful to my grandpa Misha, without whom we would not have dared to begin our journey to the United States, and to my grandmas Mira and Sarah, and grandpa Sasha, who are no longer with us but are always in my heart. I'm so grateful to Jamie Schwalb it sounds true for nurturing this book, and me, with such tender care and passion. Thank you for believing in my voice before I did. Thank you to the entire team it sounds true for your creativity, tenacity, and working like true partners through every step of creating and bringing this book to life. Joe Elhan, my incredible editor, I'm eternally grateful for your wisdom, insight, and the kindness of your guidance. You have been an invaluable partner in helping bring my best self to write the best version of this book. Thank you to my fearless agent, Janice Donwood, for sticking with me and making sure we found the best home for this book. I am grateful for your tenacity and always looking out for me. A huge thank you to the happier team, past and present, close and far, for your hard work and dedication to bringing our mission of helping millions of people cultivate their happier skills. To everyone who has supported me on this quest, including our investors, advisors, and friends, thank you for being part of the most meaningful and unexpected journey of my life. I wish I could give an enormous, larger-than-life hug to the happier community and all the kind souls who have inspired, supported, and encouraged me through the years and continue to do so every day. This book isn't mine alone, it's ours, together. Thank you for your courage not only to be real and to be okay with not always being okay, but also to fight for moments of joy and beauty and kindness. My deepest gratitude to the many people who generously shared their stories for this book. Some of you are dear friends, others I've never met in person, but you have all enriched this book by sharing parts of yourself, and helped to inspire many by doing so. When the student is ready the teacher will appear. This was true in my case. Janet my teacher and spiritual guide, I'm so grateful for your acceptance and invaluable guidance. I hope I honored your wisdom in this book, I continue to cherish it daily. I have also been incredibly lucky to learn from so many amazing yoga teachers, my soul sister Joanna, Jojo, Larissa, Elena, David, Amy, and many more. Thank you for your dedication in sharing yourselves and this sacred tradition, which has become my life's anchor. And without listing them all, I want to offer my deepest gratitude to the many teachers whose words have helped guide me, even though I have never met them. My dear Sharon, thank you for your friendship, for flying with me to catch the rainbow, and for catching me when I fall. Thank you for seeing my true self before I had the courage to allow it to emerge. The journey that led to this book began almost 30 years ago, and for 20 of those years I've walked this path with Avi, my husband, my partner, my greatest supporter, my love. I don't have the words to express my gratitude to you for holding my hand through this rocky, amazing, scary, incredible adventure, for believing in me when I wanted to give up, for making me smile, for reading endless drafts, and for wrapping me with your kindness when the world was too harsh. I love you for always. My Mia, my most amazing, dearest, magical human. This book is for you and because of you. Thank you for being the light on this journey for being my staunch supporter, 
and for your invaluable help with the bibliography. But most of all, thank you for your being. I love you, more. None of what we do, we do alone, and I'm grateful for the energy, the spirit, the beauty that is this life force that is within and surrounds us. And finally, I offer my gratitude to you, my dear readers, for joining me on this journey. Knowing that this book might help another person find more moments of joy and weather life's storms with strength and compassion has been the bridge of resilience that carried me through my own storms as I wrote it. Introduction I sat on the steps outside my company's office, leaning against the brick wall. It was a chilly October night. I wasn't wearing a jacket but I didn't feel cold, even though I'm always cold. It was around 2 in the morning. I didn't have a clue as to how long I had been sitting there or where I needed to be. Our launch of Happier had been going extremely well. It had been a year of very hard work to bring our app, a social network dedicated to happy moments, as the New York Times called it, to life. Happier was a place for people to share little moments they were grateful for, no matter how small. I knew that gratitude worked, based on mountains of scientific research. It had helped me shift from always trying to chase happiness through hard work and achievements to being able to experience the many moments of joy, kindness, and beauty that were already present in my life. Happier mattered to me like no other company I had launched or worked at. It was born not just from an idea but also from my own struggles to fill content, to be in peaceful agreement with my life rather than constantly pushing and battling it. I had a deep sense of gratitude for the great team of people who made the app and the launch happen, for having investors, friends, and family who had supported us. And there was so much to celebrate. Enthusiastic users. Fan mail telling us how lives were changed by using Happier. Invitations to exclusive conferences, speaking engagements, and lots of great press. It was the best a startup could hope for at this early stage, and I knew it. So why was I sliding into a total meltdown at work, at home, and in every part of my life? Why were strangers asking me if I was alright as I stood frozen in stores, on streets, or inches away from the subway tracks? Why did my daughter, who meant the world to me, and my husband, who was my rock, seem as if they were avoiding me? Why did I wake up every morning with an intense feeling of dread? Nothing made sense. I had realized my American dream for which I had worked so hard. I had broken through barrier after barrier in my life, outdoing myself with each one, and happier was my crowning achievement. Ever since my parents and I came to the United States as refugees from former Soviet Russia, I had felt an intense desire to prove that the hardship of our immigration was worth it. Now that I had worked so hard and achieved so much, I should have been feeling ease, contentment, peace and abundant happiness, all of which I was certain was on the other side of my achievements. But it wasn't happening. I wasn't floating on cloud nine of never-ending amazing joy. Not even close. After the big, huge, achievement of the happier launch, something vital was missing. Without it, I felt as if I couldn't breathe. It was something I had come to depend on with every major milestone, from learning to speak English without a Russian accent, to getting into a top college to getting rare and coveted jobs at a young age, that feeling of elation. I didn't feel elated. I did for a little while, only to have an odd and uncomfortable feeling rise from deep in my stomach to replace it. Instead of escaping the tight grips of insecurity, anxiety, and fear that had accompanied me on our immigration so long ago, I was starting to drown in these feelings. 
I couldn't find the relief I had come to expect from another great performance. It's normal when launching a startup to go obsessively over and over terrible what-if scenarios, imagining immediate and total catastrophes. Every entrepreneur knows that a good launch doesn't end the stress of building a company from scratch. But this was more. I had begun to exist in a painfully divided state where I felt almost catatonic from worrying and stressing out about the company. At the same time, a voice in my head turned up the mean and negative dial to full volume, you're obviously no good as an entrepreneur. And you're being a terrible mom, wife, daughter, friend, and human being. You're just a failure, that's all. I was caught in an exquisitely personal and extremely vicious cycle of self-doubt. I knew burnout. I had experienced burnout before, a few years ago when I was a new mother, a managing director at a venture capital firm, running a publishing company from my kitchen table, and under contract to write an advice book. I felt desperate to find a way to feel better, and that is when I immersed myself in researching happiness, reading hundreds of studies. Surely someone else knew the answer already. I didn't. I had worked as hard as I could, leaping from one peak experience to another, and I still couldn't find the kind of happiness that lasted. At first I rejected what I read, it couldn't be that simple, but the research was very convincing. So I started, albeit reluctantly, to practice gratitude. To my shock, it had a huge impact up almost overnight. It turned even a hardcore skeptic like me into a believer. It was from that research and my desire to share this amazingly simple practice that was changing my life that happier was born. But now that happier existed I could hardly function. Gratitude alone wasn't working. I couldn't overachieve at gratitude to feel better. Worse, I couldn't tell anyone that I was struggling, so I thought. I was the CEO of a company called Happier. If you run a company that helps people become happier, you should practice what you preach and be happier yourself, right? How could I reveal that I wasn't? I couldn't break the impenetrable facade of everything's perfect, fine, a-okay, couldn't be better, everything's under control. Not even to my family. That would make me seem like a complete fraud. I couldn't risk it. Not that they didn't worry about me. Friends, family, colleagues were all concerned. Don't be ridiculous, I brushed them aside. I can do this. I always have. But I was kidding myself. My everything is fine act wasn't working anymore. If there was a rock bottom, I was headed right into it. And feeling hopeless was terrifying. This wasn't mere burnout. I was bottoming out. It turned out that my father had given me the key to true happiness 28 years earlier. I was 13 when we waited in a settlement in Vienna, Austria to see if we'd make it to America. We lived in a dilapidated apartment building with dozens of other Russian Jewish families trying to make their way to the United States. My parents and I shared a tiny room, they had one of the small beds and I had the other. One morning when my father came back from the market, where he unloaded crates to make a few dollars, he had an idea. Come on, girls, he said. My mom and I were just waking up. Let's go see the Vienna Opera House. They have free tours inside and it's supposed to be really beautiful. You're crazy. I told him. We're living in this disgusting place, we have no money, we have no idea when we'll even get to America if we do, and you want to go sightseeing? Sure, I was being a willful teenager, and it's the job of a willful teenager to disagree with their parents. 
but mostly I couldn't fathom how we could enjoy something while we lived with so much uncertainty and worry. How could we dare to be happy in this moment? You're right, my dad told me. Life sucks right now, absolutely. But we have a choice. We can either sit here and wallow in that, or we can go see something beautiful and enjoy our time here together. I didn't listen to him. I went along with my parents to see the Vienna Opera House but I made certain that they knew I thought it was a crazy idea. Waiting in line for the free tour, my dad befriended an older gentleman behind us. After the tour, our new friend offered to take us all out for ice cream at the cafe across the street. There is a photo of us from that day, everyone is smiling ear to ear because we're in Vienna, outside the beautiful opera house, having just been treated to ice cream. Everyone, that is, but me. A few years after we came to America, I cut my face out of the photo because I couldn't stand my look of stubborn unhappiness. Back then I couldn't allow myself to enjoy the moment. I was convinced that you don't enjoy little moments when your life sucks. You suffer, you wallow, you live your struggle. To find a moment of joy or kindness or beauty when life wasn't okay felt like cheating on reality. It took me two decades of chasing happiness in all the wrong directions to learn the lesson my dad was trying to teach me way back then, happiness doesn't arise from making everything in our lives perfect. It comes from embracing life as it is and finding small moments of gratitude, joy, kindness, beauty, and human connection within it. By truly being present for those moments and being grateful for them, we find the resilience to weather life's storms. They say the best teachers are those to whom the material they teach didn't come easily. What I'm going to share with you in this book didn't just not come easily to me, it went against the very nature of how I thought about life and what happiness truly meant. Happiness, in my mind, was this idyllic state of contentment that was the opposite of the fear and anxiety I was always feeling after we'd arrived in America. It was a state of amazing that never went away, the big happy. But every time I thought I had found it at last, with another achievement, milestone, or accolade, it faded. I had been blowing happiness bubbles that would float beautifully, shimmering in all their iridescent magic, only to burst a short while later. In fact, it took an ultimatum from one of Happier's investors to stop me in my tracks and start me on one of the most profound, and difficult, journeys of my life. It was a journey that required me to slow down and, this was the most excruciating part, face myself. Not only face myself but also accept and love myself, as difficult as it still is to say these words. I had to get to a place where I could acknowledge, without falling to self-recriminating pieces, that I was a flawed, imperfect, talented, fun, tightly wound, warm and fuzzy human who had a history, and who also had a heart. Over the course of this book I'll lead you on this journey I took, much to my shock, to find out finally what it really means to be happy. I'll show you what I learned, in the story of what I went through and in the science and practices that have helped me clear a path out of the darkest time in my life. I brought my gratitude practice with me, but I learned that alone, without any other support, gratitude wasn't enough to get me through the very real challenges of life as an entrepreneur, a mom, a wife, a daughter, and a friend especially since I was already schlepping around a huge bag of heavy feelings from years before that I had never unpacked. I needed to stop judging myself, stop running, and stop piling on insane demands to just be okay all the time no matter what. 
With the help of an unexpected teacher who became a deeply trusted guide, my patient and loving family and friends, and my own tenacity to find another way, I came up from the dark bottom I had sunk to. No, I didn't become a happy-go-lucky person or start to see everything through a pair of sparkly pink sunglasses. I didn't discover some magic way to find joy in every moment. I didn't find the big happy that I had been searching for. I found something way better, I learned to be happier now, in this present moment, even if not everything in my life was okay, it never fully is. Doing this meant taking a huge risk, letting go of striving for perfection. For so many years, perfection seemed as if it would save me from sadness or pain of any kind. I didn't believe that I was good enough as I was, not for myself or for the people around me. We all have our ways of making up for our perceived unworthiness, trying to make a lot of money, to find the perfect love, or even to take care of others without attending to ourselves, and the quest for perfection was mine. It was only when I gave up the possibility of eventually somehow achieving my way into a state of uninterrupted happiness by arranging everything in my life, including myself, just so, that I opened up my mind and my heart to embracing all my feelings and experiences even the negative ones. To my surprise, I discovered that if I allowed myself to feel sad, it didn't mean that I would feel sad forever. I also discovered that being compassionate toward myself when I failed, instead of beating myself up, actually encouraged me to try again rather than lulling me into becoming a lazy sloth, that is what I feared, who couldn't deal with reality. Perhaps most surprising was that making the simple yet profound practices of acceptance, gratitude, intentional kindness, knowing my bigger why, and self-care part of my daily routine eventually helped me experience the deep sense of contentment that I had been seeking all along. It still sounds crazy to hear my own words when I stand in front of huge audiences at conferences or corporate events and tell people that the best way to feel happier is to allow themselves to feel unhappy sometimes. We humans aren't meant to feel happy all the time. We live in a culture that tells us, be positive. Transform negative into positive emotions. See the glass as half full. But, in fact, allowing ourselves to feel the full range of emotions, including the ones we see as negative, offers us a gentler, more inclusive and forgiving path toward happiness and a sense of inner strength and peace. I've come to see that I hadn't failed when I didn't find a way to feel positive emotions all the time, I was doing life exactly right. Deep happiness isn't constrained to only pleasant feelings. It also honors and encompasses our inner strength, sense of meaning, and courageous tenacity to get through the difficult parts of our lives. This book is organized into two parts. In part one, I share some of my journey through rock bottom to where I am today. One thing I've learned is that we all want to experience a sense of lasting joy, contentment, and fulfillment, and yet we all struggle to fulfill that desire. Somewhere along the way I began to open up to the happier community even though it was very scary to write honest emails about my struggles and stumbles to a couple hundred thousand strangers. I was admitting that no, I, the CEO of Happier, didn't have a lock on happiness. But I was blown away by the warmth and encouragement that came back to me in the tens of thousands of emails. It felt like a simultaneous hug from strangers who had become friends overnight. In fact, these emails became my inspiration to write this book and share my journey and lessons learned with you. I realized that we have so much more in common than I had ever imagined. 
I've been lucky to witness thousands of people transform their lives by implementing the practices I share with you in this book, people in the happier community, people who come to my talks and corporate programs, and people who take my online courses. So many people have courageously shared their own journeys with me that I've included their stories throughout to inspire you. In part 2 we explore the 5 core practices of acceptance, gratitude, intentional kindness, knowing your bigger why, and self-care, and the scientific research that supports each one. I made these practices a core part of my life as I undertook my journey from scary rock bottom toward being genuinely happier. They became my daily anchors. They will help you, too, find more joy in everyday moments, however imperfect they may be. They will also help you hone an essential skill that being truly, genuinely happier requires, the ability to nurture and maintain a healthy emotional immune system, a resilience you can count on to help you through any life storm. One of the most important shifts I made in my approach to improving my emotional health was to think of happiness as a skill, as something to be practiced rather than just felt. In each part of the book I include simple exercises to help you strengthen different aspects of your happier skills. Most will only take you a few minutes to complete but their impact can be profound. I encourage you to give them a try. You may discover that some work better than others, and that is totally fine. I suggest that you select a handful, your own daily anchors, that you can do every day and stick to. You can also rotate the practices as different needs come up. The joy is in the doing. Our to-do lists seem to be ever-growing. Whenever I'm tempted to skip doing the practices that I've made part of my routine, I'm reminded of a great Zen saying, you should meditate for at least 10 minutes a day. And if you don't have 10 minutes, you should meditate for an hour. You belong on your to-do list, too, and so does your happiness. It's just too easy to make investing a little time in our emotional health an extra, something to do after we get all the other important stuff done. I've been there. And even after I've seen the amazing and tangible benefits of these practices, I can still get caught in the I can't take time for myself negative talk cycle. If you find yourself there, try this, think of a person in your life you love very much, someone you really care about. What kind of life do you wish for them? I think we all would say something similar, we want people we care about to be happy, to find a sense of meaning in their lives, to be with people they love and who love them back. Well. Here's the thing, the best way to help people you love be truly happier is to cultivate this practice within yourself. We can't give to others what we don't have ourselves. By investing your energy in improving your emotional health, you are not only doing something awesome for yourself, but you're also giving an amazing gift to people you care about. Research shows that happiness spreads. As you cultivate your happier skills and learn how to find more joy in everyday moments and get through challenging times with more resilience and compassion, you'll be helping your family, your friends, your colleagues, your community do the same. A happier you can be the spark that lights up happiness in so many others. So let's dive in. I'm grateful you have joined me on this journey.